Our our reading this morning comes from John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Liz, very much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andy. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. And uh, in case you hadn't realized from the two worship songs we sung and from all the, uh, the kind of introduction we've given, we are doing a start of term preaching series on Jesus' words, I am the way and the truth and the life. And this week, we're looking at Jesus' claim to be the truth. Just a little heads up about where we're going to go. We're going to first consider what is truth particularly in our cultural moment here in the West, in the 21st century here in 2022. Then we're gonna look at Jesus' claim to be the truth, particularly rooted in uh, the start of John's Gospel that we just heard read, uh, John chapter one, Jesus as the word. And then finally we're gonna ask, okay, if all of that's true, so what? What does it mean uh, for you and me in our lives today? And of course, uh, this week we're, we're all processing and grieving and, uh, and mourning the death of the Queen and preparing for her funeral tomorrow. And last Christmas, the Queen described Jesus and his teachings as the bedrock of her faith. So as we're in this time of particularly reflecting on uh, the Queen's life and her faith, now is a, a great time to come back to Jesus' claim to be the truth. Let's pray uh, before we dive in. Heavenly Father, some of us have known you a long time. Some of, you, some of us have known you just a short while and some of us don't know you yet. We pray would you come speak to us, uh, come by your spirit and uh, enliven uh, your words and your word your son Jesus to us this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, what 
is truth. Those are the words that are spoken in John 18 at Jesus' trial by Pontius Pilate, his Roman judge. And it comes at the end of this exchange between Pilate and Jesus about who Jesus is. And Pilate's trying to work it out. Is he a criminal? No. Is he a king? Maybe. And Jesus says, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And Pilate is baffled, like, what is truth? Uh, What does it matter? What has that got to do with anything? And that sentiment, I suggest, sounds quite familiar to us uh, these 2,000 years and 2,000 miles removed from that day. Um, the, The fact is that culture and Western society in which we live has an ambivalent relationship with truth, doesn't it? In 2016, the Oxford English Dictionary coined uh, the word post-truth and made it its word of the year. And how poignant this has felt in the years since. Here's the definition we've got up on the screen there. Post-truth, relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. I recently read uh, someone commenting um, that as well as a cost of living crisis, in the UK we also have a cost of lying crisis. This sense that um, kind of truth and trust um, in authorities and leaders and in each other is at uh, a very low ebb amongst us. So what is truth? When as a society we can't agree on basic facts, Uh, when personal integrity doesn't seem to matter for those who can get away with it. Well, before we consider what Jesus has to say as the truth, uh, we need to understand where our culture is at. So I'd like to just draw out, make two observations about sources of truth. Like, what is the kind of intellectual and cultural air that we breathe? Thing that we can't see but affects the way we think, the way we live. Um, And I invite you actually to consider how you Uh, relate to these two sources of truth in your own life, the way you approach meaning um, and things that are are true or false. The first source for truth that we have in our culture is the self. This is the idea that the ultimate authority uh, in matters of truth and reason is you. You Your experiences, your perspective, with all the chaos that's going on out there and who can blame us for, for feeling that way with 24-hour BBC News breaking news alerts on our phones or social media feeds? Um, who can blame us? This idea of be true to yourself. Speak your truth. What's true for me may, might not be true for you. This idea that with all that's going on out there, the only thing we can be certain of is that which we find in here. And this is the core tenet of liberalism, this idea that the independent individual assesses and determines what truth is. The problem here is that as people, all of us are changeable, we're unreliable, we have good days and bad days. And so that's where we're looking for truth. That's really where we're rooting what is reality for us then we're not going to find something concrete that ultimately we can rely on. And the Bible has an image for this way of thinking. It's like being like trying to swim in a, a choppy sea. You just get thrown this way and that uh, by forces outside your control. 
So that's the first source, is the self. Second source for truth that we see in our culture is power. This is the idea of postmodern philosophy, that frameworks of truth are constructed by those who have the most power and influence to enforce them. Something is only ever as true as you can enforce it on others. And we see this way of thinking in a number of ways around us. Um, one is this idea that our identity has to do with that which we communicate and project to others. So in particular, you see this in social media. If you uh, have a carefully curated social media presence, in a sense, that kind of, you can define your identity in that way, which is actually separate to who you are uh, in reality, um, but that is kind of, using power and perception, you can project uh, something different. Or how about the rise of so-called alternative facts? Uh, Michael Gove infamously said a few years ago, people have had enough of experts. This idea of, uh, we've had enough of those kind of with the power telling us kind of how to think, telling us how things are. But again, if all truth claims are based solely on power, then actually that means that the very claim that truth claims are based on power relies on the power to enforce that view. Does that make sense? It's, a, it's not actually a circular argument. It doesn't make sense when you, take, when you zoom back and have a look at it. So what I'm trying to say is neither of these secular sources for truth, whether that's the self or power, are ultimately satisfying or something that we can really hang our lives on. So now I'd like us to have a look at the Bible's take on the source of truth, one that isn't in the self, isn't in power, but is in a person, the person of Jesus. So let's uh, turn to our passage for today. You might want to have that open, uh, grab a Bible or navigate to it on your device. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then skipping down verse 14, the Word became flesh, and we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. Jesus is called the Word. Uh, he's the Son of God within the Trinity, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Spirit, uh, the one who's always been there, who was involved in the making of the universe, the word universe, oh, we've got Greek on the screen now, I'm gonna do some Latin first. Uh, universe comes from the Latin uni, one verse word, one word created by God. As God spoke the cosmos into being, Jesus, as it were, is the very voice of God that brings life, the very source. So the, the word for word in the Greek that John is using is logos, and it means word or rationality. Shall we say that all together? Logos, which means word, rationality. Very good. What's key here is that logos doesn't just mean a kind of a word that we see. It's not just like a word written there on the screen, but it means the kind of the meaning behind it, the source, the kind of the mind that spoke uh, that word. And so when we call, when John calls uh, Jesus, the word, he's saying he's the, he comes from the very source of God, the source of life and the world. When Jesus said, I am the truth, 
What he's saying is this, I am the source of truth because I'm the one who made everything. John goes on in verses three and four, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Well, I'd like to draw out two kinds of truth um, that Jesus is as the word. Uh, and enabling us to see and recognize what is true uh, in the world around us. The first is physical truth. Uh, this is understanding reality out there, that which we can see um, and touch, the world of science and logic and the way things work. Did you know that the Greek word logos um, is embedded in our English words for, for things to do with science? Um, it's the kind of logy bit that we put on uh, words like biology. So that comes from bios, Greek life, logos, word, uh, a, a word life, that which we can say, that which we can know about life. Uh, or how about for the engineers among you, uh, technology, comes from techne, which is craft or art, logos, a craft word, that which we can say about what we can make. But here's the thing, how can we say anything for certain about the physical world around us? And especially so if truth is located simply in the self or in human power. The famous scientist Albert Einstein, who himself wasn't a Christian, uh, said this, I consider the comprehensibility of the world as a miracle or as an eternal mystery one should expect a chaotic world which cannot be grasped by the mind in any way. Why is it that when we observe something, we know that if we look at it again, it'll be the same? That's what Einstein is getting at here. He, for him, it was a mystery. Uh, for those who know Jesus, it's not a surprise at all because Jesus is the word who has made everything there is. The whole pursuit of science, of truth, about the universe, of biology, of engineering, archaeology, all those different fields of study, all depends on the assumption that the world is ordered and understandable. And the Bible's claim is that this is the case because it's made by a creator, the word of a creator. And that creator God has become human in Jesus Christ. So that's physical truth. But secondly, there's also there's more than that. The world is more than just what we can see and touch. There's also spiritual truth. Uh, if physical truth, science is understanding reality out there, spiritual truth is understanding reality in here. It's the realm of meaning, of identity, of salvation. Verses 12 and 13 of our passage. To all who did receive him, that's the word, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We are more than just physical beings, and our world is more than what we can just see or touch. Now, I've got a slide. I would like us to see. Do you, can anyone tell me what this is? We, uh, very good, Jonathan. Yes, this is our logo. <laughs> I, I had a, yes, I, I had a different slide just in case we weren't quite there, and now we can have the third one. There we go. There is the, the logo for 
uh, St. Paul's uh, Lemington Spa, our church. Um, and a logo is a concise uh, depiction of something. And it, do- it doesn't just communicate information, but also it carries with it associations, doesn't it? Um, uh, and aspirations and relationships and identity and emotions. And the word logo, you might have guessed it, also comes from this Greek word, logos. And Jesus is, as it were, God's logo. Jesus is the one who shows us who God is and what he's like. Not a distant creator God who winds up the universe and then sits back and washes his hands of everything, but a God who's involved, he cares deeply, and he burns with a passionate love for each one of us. The second century church father, Irenaeus of Lyon, one of my uh, theological heroes, he calls Jesus God's concise word. The one who sums up all the Old Testament scriptures and all of God's purposes uh, in the world and all of God's character and who we see in the person of Jesus. And so when we look at Jesus, we don't just see a man or a teacher or a healer, but we see God and all that he is and all his truth. So Jesus is truth personified. That's what John is getting at in this passage. God's word, his logos, his logi, his logo come among us. Not abstract, but tangible. Not remote, but intimate. Not silent, but saying, I am the truth. Okay, now we've got to the part where we're going to ask, okay, so what? We've done a lot of kind of thinking. I don't know, maybe your heads are hurting slightly. Um, So what? If Jesus is the truth, uh, if he does make sense of the physical and the spiritual, what does this mean for my life? Well, I've got three things I'd like to suggest. The first is we can trust what Jesus says. If Jesus is the truth, as he claims, then all that he says must be trustworthy. In Matthew's gospel, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And 2,000 years later, that has certainly proved to be true. It means that everything that Jesus said about himself, we can trust. Jesus said this in Mark 10, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You can trust that. It means that everything Jesus said about human nature we can trust. Matthew 11, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We can trust that. It means everything Jesus said about God's love for us, we can trust. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You can trust that. And because we can trust Jesus' words, let's devote ourselves to living them, to becoming familiar with them, to reading them in the scriptures. If you haven't read through one of the gospels, one of the accounts of Jesus' life by uh, the first, his first followers and eyewitnesses, if you haven't read that recently, can I encourage you, maybe this afternoon, go and pick it up and read and uh, read and hear for yourself those words of Jesus which we can trust. 
So that's the first thing. Secondly, Jesus is the measure of truth. If he is the truth, then he's the one, he's like the yardstick by which we judge everything else to be true. Uh, in our passage from John, this is how he describes Jesus as a light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The thing about light is, as you get closer, you can see more clearly, can't you? Um, in the dark, we lose our ability to see color or detail or depth. But when we come to the light, to a source of light, then we can see. Jesus is the true light which illuminates, as it were, our lives and allows us to understand reality as God has made it for us. And I, I don't know, if perhaps you're sitting there thinking, okay, this this sounds ridiculous. How can a person be the measure of all ultimate truth? And uh, if that's you, that's, that's fine. I would say don't take my word for it, but there's a great opportunity to explore questions of truth and faith here at St. Paul's coming up. Um, the Alpha Course, which Eleanor mentioned earlier, we would love to have you come along. No question is off limits. Be curious about truth this autumn. Um, you can sign up online, grab a flyer, come see us at the welcome desk um, to sign up. It would be a great place, a great next step to take. Third thing this means for us, if Jesus is the truth, is Jesus triumphs over lies. John 8, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, the Russian novelist Alexander, uh, let's see if I can get this right, Solzhenitsyn, there we go, uh, was uh, someone who lived through uh, communism in the USSR and Russia, um, was uh, sentenced to seven years in the gulag uh, prison camps and exile uh, in Siberia, came to faith um, later on in his life, and he said this, one word of truth, outweighs the entire world. This idea that this regime um, around him had been built up on power and lies. But the words of truth are like the antidote. They're the thing that breaks down um, that which is deceptive, that which is um, a lie. And Jesus triumphs. If he is the truth, then he cuts through. Cuts through uh, the lies that others tell, perhaps tell about you, about us, about who we are. Jesus cuts through and tells us what our true identity is as loved daughters and sons of God. And it also means Jesus cuts through our own lies, those lies that we tell ourselves and lies that we tell others. Jesus, as the truth, has the victory over deception. So as we come in to finish and, uh, and we worship again, perhaps the, the band would like to come up, and we move in towards the time um, and we're going to receive communion together. I'd like to finish with a poem written by George Herbert, a 17th century vicar and priest um, who's reflecting on these words of Jesus. 
become my way, my truth, my life. Such a way as gives us breath, such a truth as ends all strife, and such a life as killeth death. This is something that, where truth is personal. It's not that uh, kind of postmodern speak your truth. It's not trying to reach inside to find something to grasp onto, but it's seeking actually to draw Jesus' truth, the person of Jesus, his word, so that it becomes our truth. So let's say yes to Jesus' truth in our lives. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you like to stand with me and we'll have a time to pray before we worship. Yes, Lord, we pray, come my way, my truth, my life, such a way as gives us breath, such a truth as ends all strife, and such a life as killeth death. Lord, would we know your truth uh, in our lives. Lord, would you come and knock down those lies which we are living with, perhaps lies that others have said over us, or perhaps lies that we've said over others. Thank you, Lord, that you made everything that there is, this wonderful world, and everyone and everything in it. Thank you that you made each one of us. You know us. Thank you that through you, the world makes sense. And Lord, uh, help us to know that more uh, clearly. And Lord, if we're in a place where we're just not sure, we're just not sure we can trust Jesus as the truth, Lord, would you come alongside us? Come, and, and if this is true, would you show us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.